I am looking for sponsors for the Covert Narcissism podcast. I don't know if you've heard some of the other podcasts where you get a discount code for the sponsors that they use. So I want to do that here. So what products are you already using that you want a discount on? I can be an affiliate for you. Or what products do you want to try? I don't want to do this with just random stuff. I want to hear from you. My email address is Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G, as in Covert Narcissism Group. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Our patron program is our biggest contributor to offset the expenses of this podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who has chosen to donate. It keeps us pushing forward on this mission. I appreciate it more than you know. To become a patron member, if you're not one yet, click the link in the bio. And I am incredibly grateful for your support. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm Renee Swanson, your host, and thank you so much for being here today and joining us. I have a really special guest here today, and I'm just, I'm thrilled to introduce her. Uh, her name is Erin Riley, and Erin, thank you so much for being here and um, for just all the work that you do. I just want to right now say thank you, and then we're going to introduce kind of what that work is. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Renee. It's an honor to be on your podcast because my, uh, my, Topic is covert narcissism, right? And so this is this is the podcast for covert narcissism and the people who have uh, unfortunately had dealings with folks like this. So information coming. Yes, and that is my whole mission is just to get all the information out there we can about covert narcissism. So, um, Aaron has written a book. It's called A Dark Force, and uh, and I have read this book. And I'm going to tell you right now, I could not put it down. It's been years since I've read a book that I read that fast. I just inhaled it. Um, it was so incredibly compelling and very very relatable, uh, very affirming to what I had been through. You know, there are subtle differences, but we live so much of the same uh, stories that that it really was very relatable to me. So, Aaron, thank you. For starters, thank you for doing that. Well, you know, I, I had to write this book, Renee. You know, uh, anybody who's been through a relationship like this, uh, there's a lot to unpack in the aftermath, you know, a lot to kind of like reprocess. So when you're in a relationship with a covert narcissist, you may think things are going pretty well. You know, they might be very helpful. Mine was very helpful around the house, you know, and everybody outside the house thought he was great. You know, what a nice guy. So helpful. Aren't you lucky? Uh, and then, of course, while they're gaslighting you and doing all this other crazy stuff at home, you're questioning your own sanity here. Like, maybe I am the one that's the problem. You know, maybe it is me. Uh, and so uh, I'm here to tell you, it's most likely not you. <laughs> and, uh, and so I wrote the book to help people understand the subtlety of covert narcissism, uh, because you and I have spoken before, Renee, and uh, the behaviors are very similar, relationship to relationship, narcissist to narcissist. And so if I can sort of take the lid off that and uh, and tell people how they behave and how you might feel in their presence and some of the things they might say, perhaps they would recognize that in their own relationships and maybe pay closer attention to what's going on. Hopefully so. And then either not dive into that relationship or at the very least not spend decades at it. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
decades, right? I was 20 years, two two decades. And uh, I didn't meet my narcissistic, this is my second husband until I was 40 years old. So I thought I was good to go. I'd been independent and living alone. I had a big career and whatnot. But I almost feel as though he stole some of the best years of my life. Uh, because from 40 to age, say, almost 60 years old, uh, when you're supposed to be like really vibrant, in your life and really, you know, uh, knowing yourself and at the top of your success and, and whatnot, feeling best about yourself. Uh, that's when my life was crumpling and I could not figure out what was wrong. My health was going like off a cliff. I couldn't sleep. I was riddled with anxiety, you know, while my husband's going, but honey, I love you. And I'm like, oh, something doesn't, it's not adding up. Something's yeah. really deeply wrong here. Uh, but, you know, for me, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, like a lot of people who become uh, chosen, we'll say the chosen few <laughs> or chosen many. Uh, and so I don't really know what a healthy relationship feels like. So I really enjoyed the attention I was getting from this person. And I kind of went with that uh, for too long. And it took a long time to figure out what was happening, almost 18 years before I realized that I was actually in trouble. Wow. Wow. And that's not unusual. I mean, that is so incredibly common. And what you mentioned earlier is just how subtle the abuse is. And that's where the covert piece comes in. That covert versus overt discussion that so many of us are having is we don't see it as abuse. And so we think that the problem is ours, like we're seeing something wrong or we're not fully understanding or whatever. Did you go through that as well? Completely. Almost every single discussion. I would think, well, why doesn't he understand what I'd say? I would say to him, I'd go, you don't understand anything I say, you know? And he'd say, I understand everything you say. And I thought, well, no, you don't. Let me try to explain it again, because you don't seem to understand. Well, here's the truth of the matter. He did understand everything I said. He's not stupid. Most of them aren't. He was uh, gaming me. It was, it was like laughing at me the whole time. We're like, I don't get it. Say it again. I don't get it. Say it again. Ha ha. I don't get it. Say it again. Oh, really? I don't understand what you're saying. Say it again. <laughs> you just kind of go, God, what? I must be going crazy. I'm trying every which way to communicate. Well, they did understand you the first time most often. Uh, so yeah, you know, there are some things they say like that never happened. You know, I never said that. Uh, you know, you must be making that up. And these are common phrases amongst covert narcissists. And you sit there saying to yourself, well, maybe, maybe I am not remembering properly. Right. And that that's the most damaging aspect of it. Obviously, they got a lot of tricky tricks, those covert narcissists, but the gaslighting is the one that creates that deep self-doubt and uh and your inability to really uh process information. Mm -hmm. You just question yeah. yourself. I just actually recorded a podcast yesterday that is on gaslighting. So it's funny that you bring that up specifically. I have said many, many times before that the victims of, of covert narcissistic abuse join the abuser in abusing themselves. We actually start yes. gaslighting ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I talk about that. Like for anybody out there that's listening that practices yoga, they talk about uh, self-harm. You know, and when they say self-harm, they don't always mean physical self-harm. You know, when you uh, are a teenager and maybe you've heard of cutting and these, you know, behaviors that teenagers who are, who are exhibiting uh, huge amounts of stress and anxiety from just living in the modern world. Uh, but self-harm also includes allowing people to, uh, to be abusive to you or disrespectful to you or whatnot. And while you may say in your brain this cognitive dissonance that's going on in your brain, well, he's not hitting me. 
you know, he can't be abusing me. But if he's disrespecting you or she is disrespecting you and gaslighting you or projecting their misery upon you or accusing you of something that you're not doing, that is abuse. That's what's called emotional abuse. If you're not doing it, then you're being gaslit. And uh, and that is a, a form of self-harm that you're allowing to happen to yourself. And your body is going to respond accordingly. Right. I had not thought of it that way. So thank you for saying that. I had not thought of, I had not made that comparison of, of cutting, you know, self-harm that's physical to the self-harm that's emotional, but it, it's the same correlation as physical abuse compared to emotional abuse. That's right. Your body knows that it's not being properly loved and cared for, and it's going to respond. And that's what I tell people all the time. Learn to trust your gut and and put yourself first and love yourself first. Now, that doesn't mean put yourself first like a narcissist at the expense of others. It means slow down a second and check in with yourself. And how do you feel about something? So if something happens, whether your partner says something to you that doesn't really add up, or it feels mean, or maybe a little passive aggressive, or something that's just mm, doesn't sit right with you, slow down. How do I feel about this? I don't like the way this feels. Okay. And then act accordingly. Uh, a lot of times people react, you know, you're being accused. And so the natural tendency is to defend yourself. And that's what they love. They love it. They're, that's what they're in for. So they're watching you like spin around like a freaking top and they find it entertaining because it makes them feel powerful that they can actually affect a person's behavior. Yeah. It feeds their sense of superiority. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's a darn shame. You know, I really I, I shouldn't have so much empathy for narcissists. I'm glad that I don't any longer have one in my life and I don't want any to come anywhere near me ever again. Go away. Uh, but I really still I, I feel that empathy for them, that they live a life of confusion and uh, self-loathing and anger. And uh, it's just it's got to be a terrible existence. But they still need to stay away from us people who. Uh, who have empathy for each other and want to live a, a genuine human existence helping each other out. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and I've said many times, it is okay to have compassion for them and still walk away. Um, and it's I'm kind of in the same boat that I do feel uh, a lot of compassion and empathy for them, but that I am not the one that's going to be able to fix it. I'm not the one that's going to be, you know, I'm not going to be standing by my ex's side while he tries to, you know, hopefully find some peace in his world. I hope that he can find peace in his world, but he's going to have to do it on his own. That's right. And that's true of anyone. Um, but, you know, some people who are not narcissistic can change to some degree. You know, they, they, they take an inventory of their own behaviors and they're like, I want to quit smoking or I want to lose five pounds or I want to do something. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to lie or I'm not going to do this or whatever. Uh, but a narcissist has a whole different mindset and they don't really think they're doing anything wrong. They think that you think the same way. So they're thinking transactionally, I need to get like the upper hand in this situation, whether it's a love relationship or a business relationship or almost any kind of connection, 
they're always thinking like, how can I get the upper hand here? And they think you're thinking the same thing. So whoever gets there first wins, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the way the world works. And we're thinking that they're empathetic and they're like us. And that's a really naive way to think. Uh, people out there, you need to know that there are people out there that do not have your best interests in mind. And they're not all psychopathic serial killers. There are people walking amongst us that through no fault of their own, probably the way they were raised or some other thing that maybe happened to them when they were very young, uh, they are thinking how they can get what they want from you. And yeah. you won't be able to see it in the beginning. So that's why I say slow down. Yeah, it's a very competitive mindset. Everything's a competition, and exactly. including the their love relationship, including their their partnership. So, so when I was, um, you know, in my twenties, I had no idea that people like this existed. Talking about that naiveness, I was open and genuine. I was an open book. I was like the perfect target for all of this. Um, so what would you say, you know, to someone who is in that situation, let's say they're in their twenties and uh, they don't, I mean, just not even aware that this even exists. Well, I'm hoping that our discussions will reach these people. You know, I have my book on, um, uh, on uh, TikTok. I know there's a lot of younger people on TikTok, so I'm hoping that I can get some traction there at some point um, because, uh, yeah, we just have to keep sending this information out to people because if it doesn't come through your family system, you know, if your parents don't warn you or you don't get this information early, maybe your parents never really had to deal with any narcissism or anything like that. You know, if you are naive and you're coming out into the world and you're all wide-eyed and and whatnot, uh, you can be very susceptible to the charm they have. And it's not it's not just uh, the overt and the grandiose narcissists that are charming. There's a little vulnerability that uh, the coverts sort of seem to pre present. You know, that makes you sort of feel a little sorry for them. They're a little victim-y. Maybe their ex, you know, was crazy and hurt them or cheated or left or did something. And, you know, for people like us who are overly empathetic towards others, uh, just like I said, you know, you could be being taken advantage of. So slow down and listen to how you feel inside when you meet a person. When I met my narcissist on the very first date, there were three different bad feelings I had. And I just pushed him right down. I was like, but he pays so much attention to me and he's kind of cute. And da, da, da. I'm just telling myself everything I want to hear, even though it's, hmm, that was kind of weird. Why did he do that? Right. If kind of weird comes into your thought, really slow down or maybe walk the other direction because your body has its own internal compass, its own radar system that's built specifically for you. Right use it pay attention to it it's there to keep you safe yeah a hundred percent and uh there's a there's a when you mentioned tiktok i'm actually now all over tiktok as well and so i'm really pleased that's a growing audience for me yeah i've actually seen some of your little podcast excerpts on tiktok so yeah i think that um you know tiktok is uh is really fun kind of a, a platform. And like I said, it's, it can be very, very expressive. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that that's a good place to reach a lot of younger people. A lot yeah. of younger people are on TikTok. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that's a, a good target audience to make sure we are reaching because maybe then we can get into these, um, maybe stop some of these relationships before they even happen in the first place. 
Well, that's certainly my goal. My goal is to get this information to people so they never, if they meet a narcissist, they see one coming and they just turn and walk the other direction. Because like I said, have your own lives, narcissists, but keep them away from us. So um, I have a little list. I'm sure everybody listening who has met a narcissist knows, uh, you know, some of the behaviors to look for. But if you wouldn't mind, I have my little list of things that I like to read. So let me just run down a few little things. I was actually just about to ask that. What kind of warning signs would you identify? All right. So here's, I'm just going to do a little rundown list here. So if, uh, if you meet somebody early on in dating, whether that's online, like the Tinder swindler or somebody like that, and they are rushing intimacy, physical intimacy or emotional intimacy and commitment, maybe moving in together or being exclusive, calling you their soulmate, uh, what they call now future faking of we're going to have the best life and right away, that's a real warning signal. You know, people people generally uh, take a little more time to decide whether or not they feel strongly about a person and, and, a, and a narcissist is targeting and, uh, and they can smell you coming basically. Uh, if they're listening to you, paying attention to everything you say, but not sharing or divulging any information about themselves, Pay attention to that. You might like the attention like I did, but if they're not talking about themselves or if they're giving avoidant responses, like, oh yeah, I'll tell you about that later. Oh yeah, that's not that important. Probably pretty secretive and they're probably hiding something. So if people are not forthcoming when you ask a question of them, I would be wary of that. If in any way they feel uh, entitled, arrogant, or smug toward others, or if they badmouth your friends or family or even their own family members, Pay attention to stuff like that. Uh, My husband used to say, it's tough being in the top 2% surrounded by the lower 98. And I used to think that was a joke, but it wasn't. It wasn't a joke, right? All right. So blame shifting. If, If you're in kind of a discussion with somebody and they turn it back on you to change the topic on you and you're like, whoa, we were just talking about what I was talking about and now we're talking about something else, that's a tactic they use. Passive aggressiveness little underhanded kind of comments toward you. Uh, They are hypersensitive to criticism. So anything you you could possibly say like, oh, do you think you should have done that? Or would you mind closing the door? You're going to be punished for it. Punishing is a big thing with narcissists. And you may not realize you're being punished because they might be smiling at you while they're doing it. Right? That is very true. Very creepy, uh, very controlling. And then, of course, like we already spoke about gaslighting. If anybody tries to deny your version of reality, get away, get away. You know what happened to you. You Mm do, right? You do. So that's just every single time. If somebody gaslights you, just walk away because that is a real trick. Uh, So those are some of the things. Any one of those items should be cause for a pause, right? pause and slow down. But most narcissists possess all of these qualities. Yeah, very true. And, and with like, I know in my situation, we moved way too fast in the relationship. We, we were four months of dating, then we were engaged four months, we were engaged and we were married. And, and I was, but I was older. I was 26 as opposed to, you know, 20, which to me at that time, I thought I'm older. I know what I want. I'm independent. Uh, you know, I've got my, I've got my, <clears throat> excuse me. I've got my, my perspective good. And so I really just kind of put all my guard down and went all in. 
And um, and some people I know in narcissistic relationships are like that, but I have others who they say, well, I've known them since I was in high school and we've, we've known each other for eight years before we got married. So there does seem to be a pretty big spectrum there. Well, I, I actually was with mine five years before I married him. So that was a long time. And we moved in after about a year and a half of dating. I can tell you if they are goal oriented, if they see something they want, they can keep that, that mask up for a very long time, five years, eight years, 18 years for me before I really saw the devil underneath my husband. And I had seen little glimpses of it. There were times when he dissociated in an argument where his eyes rolled back in his head and he was like shaking and angry. And he was obviously going back to wherever this horrible psychological narcissistic injury happened to him. I believe that my husband was emotionally 15 years old and they run the gamut. They can be, you know, 18, five, whenever something terrible has happened to them. Uh, but mine turned into a teenager, like a, like a sort of a large toddler. Um, but yeah, I, it was only a few times, maybe I think four times in 20 years that I saw him do that. And that's not enough for me to say, you know, he's scary and that's a problem. I would sort of be able to make excuses for it and rationalize. And uh, that's a real strong skill that I have. And I wish I didn't. <laughs> I wish I didn't have that rationalization skill. I understand that. Yeah. You're trying to un- unlearn that one. Unlearn the rationalization skill. Yeah. That's a skill that gets us into trouble a lot. Yes. And I, yes. And I think it comes from our desire to give someone the benefit of the doubt. And I, I I want to be able to give people the benefit of the doubt, but unfortunately, that's easily manipulated. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, you know, it's naive to think everyone thinks like you empathetically. The, the information just needs to be communicated and sent out there into the world that it's not just everyone is a wonderful, nice human being doing their best, and then there's serial killers right? There's a whole spectrum of people with different sets of behaviors and goals and uh, ways of getting their needs met. And, you know, without going too deep into it, because I know you go into this all the time on your podcast and in your discussions, but most of this, they think, relates back to early caregiving. Mm -hmm. So if you're a little baby and you cry and nobody comes to feed you, right, or diaper you or hug you, the things you need as a baby, you have to develop other methods to get your needs met. And they may be somewhat coercive because Mm -hmm. it should just be that you cry and mommy or daddy or grandma comes and gives you, you know, your food. Uh, So it's, you can't change this uh, behavior. It's so ingrained in a person. This is how they get their needs met. Uh, And it's unfortunate uh, that people have to live with this affliction. And I call it an affliction to some degree of having uh, narcissism, but narcissism exists on a spectrum like autism. Some people have narcissistic traits and other people are truly at a disordered level of thinking and uh, are quite dangerous to those of us who are, you know, just empathetic and easily sucked in. Uh, or to some degree codependent. You know, if you're overly empathetic or if you're a little bit of a people pleaser or you want to make peace, you really are uh, potentially very vulnerable to people like this. And so just, you know, don't change who you are. Don't change who you are. Just get smart, you know, and check in with your gut. That's why I say that all, all the time. You know, don't override your your uh, your intuition. Your brain is a very tricky thing up there. <laughs> It'll tell you whatever, whatever you it thinks you need to hear to survive. Yep. 
yeah, yeah. that's that's where the, all the cognitive dissonance comes in so uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being here and for being on this podcast and for the for the book that you've released and the work that you are doing to help our world Thank you so much, Renee. It takes it takes a village, you know, of all of us who have been through this. Not everybody gets out of this uh, in a healthy, positive way. You know, some people are trapped in these relationships financially or for health reasons and whatnot. Uh, so for those of us uh, who are uh, able to escape uh, and get out, uh, I love this strong community of people who are out there trying to communicate this information to other people so we can help other people avoid these pitfalls of relationships that take away many years or decades of your life. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Very well said. So, Aaron, thank you thank again, you. you know, for being here. And everyone out there listening, uh, her links uh, for, for how they can find you and, and access to her book and all of that will be in the show notes for this episode. Erin, um, you want to just tell them your website real quick so they know where to find you? Sure. It's the name of the book. It's adarkforce.com a dark force. Uh, and the little, uh, the subtitle is 20 years with a covert narcissist. So the title covert narcissist is in the title of the book as well, too. Mm -hmm. So a dark force, but I'm on everything. I'm on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, have a website and doing lots of podcast interviews and talking to people all over the world. And it's really interesting uh, because people have been affected by narcissists in all aspects of their lives all over the world. And, uh, and it does seem to be growing. So it's important that uh, that we continue the conversation. Thank yep, you. Very much so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. And Thanks. everyone out there, I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, -E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G, as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.